What's up, Internet? You're tuned in episode 63 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where a group of lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games and news and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined today by my ever-present co-host and antagonist, Mr. Andy Brown. Hey, hey, hey. I'm here to make Pete's heart hurt, you know, like the kids like. (laughs) That's what the kids like? No, I think that's what you like. Uh, speaking of hearts, the edgelord with oh. the heart of gold, Mr. Robert Thompson. I'm impressed that you can find a way to make it sound like I'm such a great guy every week. But thank you. <laughs> yeah, I give you a lot of rope here on this show, despite the fact that we regularly bully our, bully each other over on yeah. Pals Play. <laughs> and finally, my rock, the guildmaster himself, Mr. Sean Bartley. Hello, hello. Am I your rock because the rock is black or... Mm. <laughs> Pete's true intentions are starting to show. It only wow. took like 60-something episodes. Grace, always a factor. <sighs> wow, that really caught me off guard. No, I mean, I do love The Rock, but uh, <laughs> no, it's because you're the only one I can depend on to not give me shit, but apparently that's not even true. So <laughs> It's also because he smells what you're cooking. <laughs> Sean, can you do the eyebrow? Mm. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> I have that as a gift forever now, thank God. <laughs> All right, so we're going to kick the show off the way we sometimes do uh, by talking about what we're playing this week. Um, so I don't know about you guys, but uh, it's been, you know, we're in that kind of summer lull right now, you know? So um, I've been kind of knocking some stuff off the backlog and playing some retro games. Uh, so this week, um, I finally beat Far Cry 5. Ooh. And. Uh, yeah, um, except, like, I gotta say, I wish I hadn't, uh, because, like, the game's story is, like, it's so unappealing, and not, like, even just, like, the story itself, like, the missions that are, like, the, um, you know, the core, like, kill yeah. the, you know, like I told you guys when we talked about it back in the beginning of the month or whatever, or, you know, year, rather, um, there's, like, the three regions which each have their own boss and then there's like the big bad boss every one of the boss interactions except for one of them sucked was a horrible experience and was like the worst part of the game like so i remember when i actually went back and was like all right all i gotta do is like a couple more things and then i'm gonna go to do the two big last story missions um all this stuff finishing the game was super fun and i was like man far cry 5 was so good like this was such a great time and then i had to do the two story missions like back to back and i was like yo fuck this (laughs) so i have such a sour taste in my mouth (laughs) and it's it's funny because like i still really like the game but uh having finished like the ending i definitely understand why there was so much critique around like, the story of people who were like, yeah, I enjoyed it, but, like, the story fucking really took me out of it. Um, and I definitely agree. Like, I thought the setting was great and everything. Like, the the framing device of it worked for me, but, like, the actual beats of the story were so unsatisfying. Like, they had me constantly, like, rolling my eyes or, like, by the end of the game, I was, like, skipping a lot of the main cutscenes when they gave me the options um, because nice. I was just like, this sucks. <laughs> like, this is, like, it's not good. Um, whereas like everything else about the game is like tight, you know, it's like the open world is still, it's my favorite open world game, you know, or series, I would say like generally, um, I love getting around and just like rooting around in a Far Cry world. Uh, but like, boy, whoo, this, like this story really fucking falls apart. (laughs) And then like, they totally (laughs) jumped the shark at the end. Like, do you guys mind if I spoil it for you just to tell you what happens? I'm not going to beat it. Go for it. 
So, okay. Because I, I know you'll get a kick out of this. So you, you know the whole framing device of, like, there's the cult and everything and all this stuff. The very end of the game, uh, at least for me, right, like, I chose to stay. At, the guy gives you one last chance to, like, take your friends and leave and just leave me with my, my cult and, like, you know, you can all live. And I was like, nah, fuck it. Like, let's let's see what happens. And uh, after, like, a, a boss fight or whatever, you find out that he's right. And, like, the world actually starts ending. Like, there's actually an apocalyptic scenario. And you have to, like, drive a truck through a bunch of explosions, which is the least fun mechanic in that game. And then at the end, like, you crash your car and everybody dies. And the the cult leader just, like, kidnaps you and takes you into a bunker. And it's just like, well, when everything's over, we're going to come out and restart the world, I guess. And I was just like, what? It's like, are you fucking serious? That's like, awesome. this is the... It's like what the and it's, fuck? It's such a weird goddamn ending, and it's just like it just. Made, I hit this point where I was just like, "What the fuck am I even playing right now?" That is just like, <laughs> dude, that sucks. I'm sorry, <laughs> that sucks. It's like I, I, I love when Far Cry jumps the shark, you know, like, but they like, I don't even know, man. This game just gets so off the rails. It was just like, all right, okay, like, whatever. <laughs> And, like, don't get me wrong. I still liked it. I still think it's worth playing. And, like, I'm all in for Far Cry 6. I just downloaded the DLC for, uh, I think it's the Vietnam one. Um, so, like, I'm definitely gonna, you know, keep playing because um, I love the mechanics. But, uh, whew, that story. <laughs> Didn't the Mars DLC just come out? I, I think that one comes out in another, like, two weeks. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, it's, like, right around the corner. And then there's the zombie one coming after that. And then I think that's it. But, yeah. Um, and then they just put out the, uh, Far Cry, like, the 3 remaster. Like, I was able to get it early because I, like, pre-ordered it or whatever, but, like, they just, like, put it out. Put it out, I think, a couple, couple weeks back. So, plenty of Far Cry out there. Um, and then I also, I had one other thing to talk about, which I'm super hyped. I beat Mega Man 2 oh. for the first time, oh, you guys. Goddamn, dude. Finally. I've been, like, you know, I know, like, uh, you guys all know I've been, like, chipping away at it, like, you know, for the last, like, probably, like, year and a half. Like, just any time I, like, had a few minutes and was, like, not, you know, doing something else, like, I would just hop in and play a level. And, like, I, I was playing by, like, old school NES rules of, like, I wasn't, like, saving the game and picking up where I left off. It was just I'm starting over and beating all the bosses I already know how to beat and then going forward and doing somebody new. But, like, over the last, like, you know, uh, like, three or four days, I guess, like, I sat down and just, like, beat it and, like, I never turned the game off. Oh. So I was, like, I don't think that's cheating. Like, if, if I'm leaving it suspended, it's just like I left my NES on and I just came back. It's fine. Aren't there, like, um, doesn't Mega Man have a password system you can use? It does, but I was like, fuck that shit. Like, <laughs> I was like, every time I'm just going to start fresh and, like, really, like, learn the game. And, uh, yeah, like, it, it was super rewarding. Like, I finally got through the end and, like, it was so fucking challenging mm -hmm. at points like that last boss rush you have to like rebeat all the bosses again and then beat three stages of dr wiley and it's like i already used all my e-tanks at that point so i was like oh my god like i just gotta get good mm -hmm. here like i have to really like i had to beat it like four or five times before i was like okay i know all the patterns i need to get through this perfectly so that i can get to the end with full health and i managed to do it Shit. Oh god, isn't that that just like the most stressful feeling when it's like, okay, I figured out what I have to do, now it's just getting the pixel fucking perfect execution down? That's yep. 
And it was, Mm. the one thing that was good about it was I had a good amount of margin of error because the robot masters drop health when you kill them. So as long as you don't, like, get whooped on, it's like, okay, as long as I'm at, like, 75% health, I'm, I'm set. Like, I can go into the next fight clean. Um, so it's like, I figured out the order, and I was like, I'll just leave the easiest guys for last, and just walk in and bop the shit out of them, and then walk in with full health. Um, so yeah, it was, but it's so awesome. I moved on to Mega Man 3 now, and it's super hard, so, uh, I'll, I'll talk to me, talk to you guys in 2019 when I finally fucking beat Mega Man 3. Yeah. Dude, you only got, like, seven more to go, so you're good, you know? Yeah. I mean, they get progressively easier from what I understand, and then seven's really hard, so... Really? Seven? All right, maybe it's five and seven or five and six, oh, okay. I think, are also difficult. I think four is supposed to be easier, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I'm definitely going to – I'm going to be playing a lot more Mega Man because it's mm, – god damn it. <laughs> such a masterpiece. I can't believe it's a, it's a series that I, like, slept on for so long. Wait, so this is, like, your first time for, like, all these? With the, like, Mega Man proper, yeah. Damn. Like, I played the the Zero games beforehand, and, like, I fucked around with Mega Man X, like, a little bit, but, like, you know, the only Mega Man game I ever beat was Mega Man Zero, and Mega Man Zero, I think, 2 it was, or whatever wow. it was, on the on the Game Boy Advance. Um, but did you yeah, play I, Mega Man Battle Network? I played one of them. A little that bit. That had absolutely I was like, oh, nothing turn-based to do with Mega, Mega Man, Man proper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's super weird. But yeah, um, so yeah, a uh, lot, lot of fun for me. Uh, and Thompson, I know uh, you also beat an old game this week. Yeah, Heavy Rain was free for whatever month for PS Plus. I can't remember which month. I think it was last month. Yeah, yeah. Okay. well, last month is relative to me. Could have been two years, you know what I mean? So in any case, uh, yeah, that was free. I jumped on that like day one I could because that was the only, um, well, I mean, besides Detroit, which, hey, we're playing right now, so uh, Pals Play. But, um, Over on Pals Play! Besides that one, I've played everything else from Quantic Dream and, uh, you know, really just missed it because of the PS3 I had back in the day broke before I got a chance to play Heavy Rain. So that was fun. Um, I gotta say, compared to the other games I played from the series, like the, the studio, I mean, this one was still my favorite one. Like, the little bit that we've gotten into Detroit, I mean, I, I think I still like Heavy Rain more right now. But I beat it, so, like, you know, there's that perspective on it. Um, sure. But I gotta say, man... You know how it plays Yeah, out. I gotta say, if they could just... If they, they didn't do the way you move in that game, where you, like, hold R2 and then use the left stick to move, versus Detroit, where you're just, like, move the left stick? You know, like a normal... Like, move, you know? That's the worst part <laughs> of your game. Other than that, if you can get past that... Um, it's really fun now, knowing, like, who the killer is... And being able to go back and just annihilate every other character and just kill them, like, very early on. Like, there are so many chances in that game where you can just die, uh, like, like super early. Like, way too early for, for liking. You know, like, if you had fucked up you know, on your first playthrough, you might think, like, oh, that that two scenes into this character, they're dead. And I, I, I guess that's that, because it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty unforgiving in that respect. So, um. I mean, if you haven't heard of the games about saving your son, right? So, like, you could fail and not save your son. You have to do pretty damn good to actually save your son. Um, wow. It's, it's like, you get five clues as the as the dude who has the son. Like, he's one of the four characters. Um, so, if you get three or four clues, you have to pick between a few addresses to find them. And if you get one or two clues, uh, you pretty much don't find them. Like, I think it's almost guaranteed you won't find them. <laughs> wow. But if you get all five, you know where he is, and that's that. Uh, so, the other characters learn where he is, too, through their things. One's a private eye. So you can figure that out. Um, like if you're him, you can find enough clues 
to figure out where he is and everything. The other person is a journalist, same thing. Um, you can piece together her stuff. And then an FBI guy who's, you know, again, these are all people trying to figure out what's going on. And you don't really have that until dawn moment where everyone like cross references their data. So like what was interesting for me was like, I didn't want to, I actually bought like got into this first experience. I was like, I looked at my girlfriend and said, I'm going to fucking destroy this game. Like I want to see how bad I can do um, for the, for the characters. And then I found myself halfway through, like I did everything perfect so far. I guess I should just keep going. Right. So <clears throat> that's how I beat the game. Like I beat it with like all five passwords, everything, all of the characters knew where everything was. So it was interesting for me uh, saying, I want to fuck this game up and then seeing everyone get the best ending possible. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> oh man, I don't know how I did that. <laughs> but you know, the fact is that I really do want to go back now and, and just destroy these people. And I want to let the killer get away. Because um, you know who he is. So um, for, for shit like that alone, just, just like playing it once, really fun time. But like the idea that like Detroit shows you those those paths you took in the levels, this doesn't show you, but you can certainly see it in the game enough to feel it like, you know, just right. either simply like walking left or right in some areas could drastically change how like that one scene plays, which could change how the next one plays. So it's it's in there, but you just don't see the path, you know, like the way Detroit shows yeah. you. <clears throat> I really love that Detroit <clears throat> added that feature because I think it's like one of my favorite parts of playing the game was like at the end of every level when my girlfriend and I would sit and like look at the tree and just see like, how different things could have gone mm -hmm. especially like i remember i think in the last episode of our let's play we actually stopped and looked at it yeah and um i remember one of the things i showed you was like yeah like look you can straight up like not go deviant here like you can like progress the game in a totally different direction yeah you know yeah. then and it's it's nuts and like even just watching thompson play through the game like there were so many things he did where, like, he was intentionally fucking things up because he's an bit. asshole. But even even when he would just, like, do the same thing that I did, because he did it at a slightly different time or he noticed something a little bit differently than I did, like, every single, like, the shades of the events were so different, you know? Yeah, I mean, and, and um, I think Heavy Rain does that, too, very well, considering how old it is, you know? Like, I'm very surprised yeah. at how much agency I had in it, right? Like, the first time you play The Private Eye, you can just get him killed. Like... You just show up, you're like, hey, I'm a new character. And then he's just, like, out Dead. of the game? Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. Wow. If the encounter goes bad <clears throat> enough uh, for that one scene, you could just knock him out as soon as it starts, you know? And You just lose a third of the game? Uh, well, there's four people, <laughs> um, but the fourth character okay. doesn't show up until, like, I don't know, like a quarter into the game, so... Uh, but like, yeah, you could, you could do that. You could have everyone die except for one and then just roll the game through as that person and see what happens, you know? At any given time, too, Good you can just choose not to do any of the QTEs, like, um, and get your main character killed, you know? <laughs> It's like, right, yeah. you could just fuck around really hard, man. And like, you know, I obviously felt like I had to beat it and I wanted to get like a good, you know, ending and all the information and shit. But I think it's going to be hilarious watching the FBI guy go insane having zero clues because this man is like obsessed with <laughs> fucking putting data together. And like I had every clue. So he was still going nuts with every clue. And I'm imagining now if I get to the end with him. Uh, he's just going to be like, God, I'm the worst. And like bleed out. He literally bleeds out of the eyes. I'm not kidding. He will literally bleed out of the eyes if there's a certain scene going on. So what? Yeah, I know. Right. David Cage is weird, dude. It's like some straight up weird shit with him. Cause there's like a VR goggles he puts on. And then all of a sudden it's like killing him or some shit. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but like David Cage do less drugs. That's my plea to you. Yeah. <laughs> David Cage, please get help. <laughs> so, like, yeah, man, it's a good game. I like it a lot. Uh, remains to be seen if it's if it's better or worse than, than Detroit in comparison because I haven't beat that yet. But highly recommend it. It's free on PS Plus at the time. If you got it, 
please jump on it. You'll love it. I think I think alone, just for the fact that even if you don't want to do good, it would be fun to watch everyone die. So go for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to dig into it now that I have a copy. Um, and uh, you're, you you talking about it inspired me to want to go back and give it a shot. Oh, yeah, I mean, especially because you beat Detroit. Yeah. So. I've been wanting to play Heavy Rain for years. So Please play I, I, Did you get it? I, I, well... Uh, I've owned it for years. Oh shit! Oh my god, Sean. <laughs> Honestly, man, it's Forever. it's like not super long. Like I skip heavy rain, go yeah. straight to Beyond Two Souls. No, don't do that, Sean. Can we this. just say? Can we just set you up with a Twitch channel where the <laughs> he like just plays you, games. Just, oh, you un you unwrap the game live and then just immediately start playing it and you play it like every day until it's done. <laughs> I mean, honestly, dude, like that sounds like a good idea. Like. You could do that shit for, like, 100 years. Like, we'd get, like, 500 episodes. How many games do you do? He's like, all right, so, guys, the first game we're playing, I got an unboxed copy of Donkey Kong Country 3. <laughs> Imagine. Oh, my God. No, I never owned uh, a Super Nintendo, so oh. that wouldn't be the case. So it's even weirder what? that you have Donkey Kong Country 3 sealed in box. <laughs> yeah, we got to get you a SNES Mini so you have at least some form of Super Nintendo in your life. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I've emulated. Whoa, yeah. dude. You've emulated? In this day and age? <laughs> Whoa. Pirates. <laughs> oh, watch out. <laughs> oh, my God. And then, Andy, you had a uh, game you wanted to share with us as yeah. well, right? So I've been playing The Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky, which sounds like a JRPG and definitely is a JRPG. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. Um, yeah, I picked it up in, like, December played it for a couple hours and then life got in the way so i started again yesterday and immediately put 13 hours into it Ooh. Oh, isn't it like it's an old psp game right it's, it's a psp game that got ported to pc and like a lot of uh the games journals i follow like jason what a real video games journalist looks like prior <laughs> over at kotaku have called it uh, one of if not the best jrpg in the last 10 years wow um, so I'm really loving it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's got a, a great story, great characters. Um, definitely, uh, a setting you don't see a lot. It's, it's kind of got that, like, quasi mid 20th century full metal alchemist vibe going. But okay. Magic. Hell nice. yeah. Yeah. And like, there's airships and shit. And like, some of the side characters are a reporter from a newspaper that I'm like following around for scoops. <laughs> It's it's really fun. I'm enjoying it a lot. I got it for like ten bucks on the Steam sale. Um, nice. Yeah, I'm definitely. Which see means it I also got it for ten bucks <laughs> on the Steam sale because Andy shares his library with me. Steam library sharing. It's real. Yeah, that's tight. That sounds great, man. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I'm um, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I might I might get into it after Octopath if I still have a JRPG itch to scratch because <laughs> JRPG juice left in your body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because I, I just picked that up. Uh, it came in the mail yesterday because I bought it with the, like, 20% off Prime discount because I put a rule on myself. I was like, I'm not buying any new video games until I beat some of the, like, games I have and haven't even really, like, scratched the surface of. Um, but then, like, I got that, uh, like, I have tweet notifications turned on for Wario 64, and it was like, yeah. oh, it's your last day to get the Prime thing for Octopath. And I was like, oh, dope. And I just did it, like, absent-mindedly. And I was like, ah, fuck! <laughs> So, <laughs> so, 
so I got it like two days late, uh, but it, like it just came yesterday, and I haven't had a chance. I wanted to play it before the show today, but I just I didn't end up. I like felt like shit last night. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna dig into it tonight because I have like nof- literally nothing going on for the first time in weeks. So I'm just like, oh boy, about to play like ten hours of a JRPG. Let's fucking go, boys. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to Octopath, but I have heard, and this is a minor word of warning to you, that. Uh, the game never really comes up with a reason for all the characters to be together. Hmm. Eh, whatever. But that's fine. It's yeah. It, I mean, like mechanically, it's a lot of fun. That's that's like what I really cared about. You know, it's like not that I say that I don't care about the story, but like what really drew me into Octopath was like the art style and the like innovations they made on the like turn based like battle system because it's just like. I love that shit. Like, those are my favorite RPGs. So it's like, you know, I played uh, Bravely Default and loved that, and that had a not very good story. Um, so it's like, whatever. Same producer, yeah. Right, oh, exactly. Really? It's okay. like, the, the characters were likable, but, like, the story was dumb. And, you know, it's like, whatever. So it's like, I, I, that's kind of like, for me, that's almost like what I expect with JRPGs is like, at best, I'll really love the characters. At worst, you know, the game will be fun if I enjoy it, right? At worst, it's garbage and I won't play it. But um, that's like Final Fantasy 15 was like that. I like the characters, but the story's nonsense. And it's not, it's like, the system is good though. So it's fine. Man, I kind of like um, the story. <laughs> hey, I do could, like could you tell me Final Fantasy 6. God damn it, Andy. <laughs> it's just like, what if Final Fantasy 6 made less sense and had a less compelling villain? That's Final Fantasy 15. Yeah, it's, so it was okay. You know, it had moments where I was like, that's cool, you know? I uh, I like I don't remember his name, but I really enjoyed the villain in Final Fantasy fifteen. That's a good sign. You don't remember yeah, his name. Yeah, but like <laughs> I I know Arden. That. Whatever. I think Arden. Yeah, I think that was his name. Weird guy with the scarf who mm. showed up and occasionally was like, "I'm gonna make your life a lot easier, just so I can fuck everything up more down the line." Yeah. I mean, that's that's like a trope in Japanese media is if you see a fashionable man, you can't trust him. Yeah. Unless he's tuxedo mask. He's up to no good. <laughs> um, anyway, so if you want to let us know what you're playing this week, uh, if you guys are jumping into Octopath or maybe Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker, maybe you're knocking some stuff off your good old-fashioned backlog, uh, you can write into the show and hear your thoughts right on the air or give us a random question of the week or just say hey by dropping us a line at videogamepals at gmail.com, hitting us in the comments below, or following our sister show at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold. And, uh, you know, if you guys want to help out the show, uh, you can do that if you're an audio listener by giving us a like on your platform of choice. Or if we're not on a platform that you want to have us on, on your favorite podcasting platforms, let us know and we'll get there. Um, except Spotify, that's a little tough. <laughs> but uh, any other ones that we're not on, let us know, we'll get there. And uh, give us a like. Uh, if you really want to help the show out, you can head over to Apple Podcasts, where we're currently a five-star rated show. You can give us one of those sweet ratings. Uh, it truly helps us out. If you're a YouTube viewer, you can do us a solid by liking the video, subscribing to the channel if you haven't already, clicking that notification bell so that maybe you'll get notifications when we put up a video, because, hmm, thanks, YouTube. Um, but last but not, last but not least, the way you can really help out the show is just sharing it. You know, if you've got a friend, uh, a video gamer in your life who you think might enjoy what we're doing here as much as you do, let them know we're out here and that you've been enjoying the show and that, uh, you know, they can come hang out with us too. Also, if you know one of Pete's enemies, um, they might really enjoy this podcast. <laughs> That's a good point. What? Like, I feel like this show works. Like, if you like me, 
I'm the host, so there's a lot of me. But if you don't like me, it's like 75% of the humor comes from just tearing me down and crushing my dreams. So, um, yeah, it's pretty good. But why do you have enemies? Who, who just has enemies? I mean, who doesn't? Me? I don't know. <laughs> you got enemies, Sean. I know. Who we don't need enemies? to name drop anybody. But Man, enemies, <laughs> enemies keep you strong. Uh, they keep you on edge. They, oh they progress you as a person. There you go. Create enemies. Thompson, do you have enemies? Oh, I got a million of them. They're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what kind of lives you guys are living, but where I'm from, I live fast. <laughs> if you have enemies, your life is at risk. So I got none of those. I'm happy with everybody. I have more rivals that hate but begrudgingly respect me, like Seto oh. Kaiba. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, I yeah. got like a hundred Seto Kaibas in my life. That's about it. Uh, Alright, so with that, we're going to take it into our rotating segment this week, and we're back on the random question of the week! Andy, you came up with this one. Whoa. Oh, what? Oh, Sorry, I totally Jesus. forgot that's what we were doing. What a turn. <laughs> I love how surprised both of you. Do you need me to do it, Andy? Do you need me to set it up? You got it? No, you, okay? you want to take this? It's yours. It's yours. Fine. So Andy chose this question, but I'll present it. I wrote it in uh, an email. <laughs> Andy Brown from Washington, D.C. writes into the show and says, What is your favorite video game soundtrack? I think I know Andy's actually right after that. I mean, I hold on. I got a little treat for our video audience. Oh no! You guys answer the question while I get mine together. Oh no! <laughs> All right, okay, okay. That's never good. I think I know what I think I know what he's pulling out. Yeah, um, and it's not out of his pants. Yeah, I was right. Yeah, there it goes. Okay, it's yep. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Andy, I was gonna answer the question, but then we vamped while you picked it oh, up. Okay. So why don't you just show the kids? I spent $100 Persona buying a Persona 5 soundtrack on vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Wow. Oh, God. Oh. Um, it's it's hands down uh, my favorite video game soundtrack. It's I just really like a lot of it as music, and I listen to it in my day-to-day life. Plus, like, I Am 8-Bit puts solid collector's editions of that nonsense together. Damn. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't regret it for a second. It's, re- it's a really nice package of a really good soundtrack. Hi, Sean's hand. Damn. Uh, Andy, <laughs> they put together packages like that. Do they do it for every game or is it just like JRPG stuff or whatever? Um, not for every game. I they know do it for lots of like, they, Andy and I both bought the Undertale vinyl that they did. Yep. Oh, okay. They did like Journey. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it's all kinds of stuff. Cool. That's fair. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it, we all know my history with Persona 5. If you don't, I think I played about 15 or 20 hours on it, of it, enjoyed it before burning out on it. Um, but yeah, the soundtrack is insanely memorable. Um, and I, I actually have uh, a Spotify playlist of it. I listen to it too <laughs> oh sometimes. Oh my God. Pete, no. <laughs> the, uh, that like, that, the, the like waiting music, that like, doom, 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 doom. I listen to that all the time. It's such it's such a tight track, man. <laughs> I gotta say, because my girlfriend played Persona Five for like a thousand hours at this point, I think I may be disgusted with that soundtrack, just a little bit. <laughs> because like I don't see the game ever; it's always behind me, and I just hear 
the fucking jazz going for like 20 hours a day sometimes. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't take this shit no more. <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm just like done with it. <laughs> like I can't hear it again. It's broken. <laughs> it broke me inside. Yeah. Oh my God. So that is that your 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 answer, Andy? Brown? Oh yeah, that's that's my pick. Um, shout out to Undertale Two, which is maybe more impressive because everything in that soundtrack was Toby Fox, as well as everything in the game was Toby Fox, <laughs> and except for like the two other people that contributed tiny amounts. Well, not tiny amounts, yeah. but smaller amounts of art. <laughs> right, like he he was like the lead and did most of the art and wrote the entire really excellent score, which is fucking ridiculous. Also, I, for me, like I'm very impressed by, I'll, I'll go now. Cause undertale is, um, is, is my primary answer. Uh, I, I think it's also incredibly Im- impressive how expressive it is because it is like, you know, it's not all like straight up chip tune. Like there's definitely some modern like synthesizer VSTs in there, but it's a very, like simple music palette and the fact that like it has so much um just like there's so much there's such a breadth of feeling across that soundtrack you know like it, it it's very good at like you know a lot of it's very lonely and atmospheric and you know like um just like melancholy but then there's so much of it that's also like some of the game is very silly and fun and like, you know, it's it's very good at matching the music to the tone of what's happening and really like selling you on, you know, just the world and its vibe, you know, like the SFX and everything in the game are like just really well put together. And I think like it wouldn't work as well as it does uh, without the music, you know, like not even close. It's fair. Um, like... Just so much of that is perfectly expressive for what the game is. And, like, that one track, I think it's just called Undertale, that's the the guitar track. Yeah. That, like, that's how my brain perceives melancholy now. It's it's beautiful though though um, yeah so I I can't I can't sing that game soundtracks uh, praises enough and then I did just have uh, one more honorable mention I wanted to throw out um, for like all time favorites because otherwise I'll be here all fucking day um, but uh, Junichi Masuda is the uh, the composer who did the music for um, Pokemon Red and Blue and Gold and Silver and I think he might have done one more after that but. Um, He's, like, since become, like, a producer and designer, so I, I don't think he does the composing as much anymore. But uh, specifically those two soundtracks um, are, like, have been, were so impactful on me, you know? Like, that was, like, the first video game I ever really, like, had an intimate relationship with. Um, and, like, I played it so much and so often that, like, I know every single piece of music on that soundtrack, like, note for note. And um, that's another one where it's, like, I think it's so impressive how much feeling there is in in that soundtrack when there's literally he's limited to um the game boy you were only able to make music with three tracks you know so there's never more than a melody a bass and a drum you know or two melodies and you know, whatever um and i i just uh it, it made like such a not just impact me on me as like you know you know for games but also like as a musician you know, like I look at like the way that I compose music now and I, I like uh, his work was like so, so influential for me. And uh, I still listen to that 
that soundtrack like all the time, you know, like just, you know, for background music. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I, I, I love uh, those, those two, two soundtracks, I guess, but like that whole body of work that he did for, for Pokemon in the early days was it's just phenomenal stuff. Oh yeah. I mean that like, it's one of those things like Pokemon taught me video game music could be good and memorable. Yeah. And like, and, and not just like, cause like, it's not to say that like it wasn't before, but like you think about like the music in something like, even like Mario, right? Like every game usually has one really memorable theme. For me, there's like several incredibly memorable themes in like, you know, across, like every city has its own theme that I remember very distinctly, you know? Um, and that's, that's, you know, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, there are so many potential answers to this question. Uh, it's really tough. Um, I think, I think I'll go with the music for World World of Warcraft. It's a little bit of a cheat answer just because... You know, there are so many expansions that have their own music, uh, but they're all for the same game, essentially. Uh, but That counts. Yeah, I mean, when you're... when you're The, the music of, of Warcraft travels with you as you go. Each city you go to, there's, a, there's different music attached, so it's all a part of your experience. Um, from being, you know, level 10, you know, and wandering around... Uh, you know, Stormwind or wherever you're at. Uh, the first time you go to Ironforge, when you're in a boss battle, when you're, yeah. uh, you know, doing PvP, like when you're watching the cinematics, that music, uh, all that, all that over the last whatever, uh, how long has WoW been out? Twelve years, thirteen years. Uh, all that over the last thirteen years has definitely been a big part of my life. So, yeah. And that's also one of the few uh, video game soundtracks, I guess, that I've actually gone out of my way to get or seek out most of the time. It's just enjoying it in the game and leaving it at that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That and and Halo Reach, for some reason, I, I, I actually went and got. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, the original Halo theme is of. tight as fuck. I like, I, and like, I love that they always like, you know, like that. That is such a dramatic fucking. Oh yeah. It's like just so fucking hype, man. Like, <laughs> I'm glad that it survived most of the games, and I can still remember that one. <laughs> yeah. So about you, Thompson? Uh, it's a hard question for me because I don't really like. I don't know. Music doesn't do much for me usually, so there is very few games that I even like pay attention to the music for. A lot of times, it kind of just glosses over me because I'm like playing the game and like, yeah, I'm hearing it, but like, I'm not like listening to it. You know, like I'm not like absorbing sure. it really. Um, so the first time that I really did that was when I played Bloodborne. I like wanted to hear the the orchestral stuff like outside of the game. Cause I was like, you know, some bosses I had to do so many times that I, I, I 
I started hearing the song, I actually started listening to it, you know? And a lot of those things you yeah. only hear during the, the fight. And sometimes I win right away. And like, I was like, oh, whatever, you know, I didn't pay attention to that shit. But I did listen to it outside of the game and I, I really like it, you know? So like, that was the first yeah. game that I like, was like, I, I want to listen to this music. Um, I mean, I yeah. for, I forgot you were so into that because yeah. I remember one time you picked me up uh, to go somewhere and you had the music playing in your car. I was like, what the fuck are we listening to? Yeah. This is like cr- like crazy orchestral <laughs> classical music. Yeah, I actually had it on the other day when I, when I was driving you home too. Yeah, yeah. I remember. <laughs> um, that and then the Doom soundtrack is the only one because that's fucking metal. So, that uh, shit is so The 2016 good. one, yeah. Um, but like, you know, it's just, that's, that's just like, I know why people wouldn't care for that. Sometimes it's like really heavy metal shit, you know? So like the one that I really do like though is Bloodborne the most, like I would buy that and I haven't bought a CD for whatever, or I haven't bought music, I guess in like 15 years. So, um, and no, I don't download it either. I just don't, I just play the music on like YouTube, you know, or whatever. No, I just don't own music. I don't know how to explain it. Um, but I would buy the Bloodborne soundtrack, you know, like, like I would, I would like that. That would be great. So I got to say it's that one, you know, they may have done an I am 8-bit vinyl of that. So, I mean, dude, if um, it's just 8-bit, I'll get this, the Symphony of Night Castlevania soundtrack or something, you know, like if it's only 8-bit versions. Oh, no, 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 no. I said I am 8-bit, like the website that Andy got the Persona yeah. thing from. I think they, they do. But don't they do it like in for... 8-bit form? Oh, no, 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 no. no. That's just the name oh, of the site. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> well, there yeah, you go. No, it's just like, it's just the vinyl. Shit, yeah. now I gotta get a record um, player too? <laughs> <laughs> it, comes with, it comes with a digital download copy as yeah. well. So you, you I don't want to steal my parents' record player just to play some crazy fucking Cthulian music, you know? <laughs> you don't? <laughs> Sounds good. But Blood Are you sure about that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Cosmic horror. Just be careful. You don't want to summon anything. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, before we move on, I forgot, we did actually have, uh, one piece of reader mail I wanted to read this week as well. Um, so, uh, this was, uh, this came from Ryan Klubeck, who writes in, uh, with a email called Life is Strange and a thank you to Pete. He says, hi guys, this is a message for Pete, as I owe him a big thank you. At the end of a recent episode of the Comics Pals, Pete, you mentioned Life is Strange and said it was one of your favorite games of all time. I had gotten the first episode of the game for free some time ago, but I was hesitant to play it due to some criticisms I'd heard about it. After I heard you praise the game, however, I finally decided to crack it open, and boy am I glad I did. I can't even begin to explain the profound effect this game had on me. I was telling my wife all about it and even tried to get her to play it with me, but she thought it sounded too sad. As I told her, though, just because something is sad doesn't mean it it isn't beautiful. And that's what I found Life is Strange to be. A sad yet beautiful story about two friends who would live and die for each other. In addition to that, it beautifully depicts the awkward transition from the innocence of being a kid to dealing with the cruel realities that adulthood has in store for you. When suddenly there's no one around to hold your hand along the path anymore. Technically, Max has Chloe to help unravel the game's mystery, but you know what I mean. In real life, this realization often hits you without warning. And since Life is Strange takes place over the course of just one week, it really hits the mark. Most of all, though, seeing how much two people can not just care for one another but truly love each other is what really made the story hit home for me. Maybe Max and Chloe are just really good friends, and there's plenty of love to go around in that relationship, but I'm pretty sure they're more than that. And to me, that was just beautiful, because it drives home a broader point about sexuality that not everyone is willing to make. Love comes in many forms, but no matter what form it takes, it's goddamn amazing. Regardless, Pete, I wanted to thank you for giving me the push I needed to experience this wonderful story. And to the Comics Pals and the Video Game Pals, keep up the excellent podcasting. Your in-depth analysis and off-the-wall humor keep me thoroughly engrossed throughout my workday. Sincerely, Ryan. 
Damn. So, uh, Ryan, thank you so much for writing in, man. I, I really, really appreciated this email. And uh, I, I'm so glad that you took my recommendation. It means the world to me that, uh, that, that me giving you that push let you experience Life is Strange and that you got just as much out of it as I did. Um, so thank you so much for listening and thanks for writing in. And, uh, you know, uh, I did want to just take this opportunity to recommend that you go check out, uh, the life is strange prequel before the storm. Uh, that's all about Chloe and Rachel Amber. That's really good too. And, um, and then they also did the, uh, captain spirit. Um, it's like a prequel for life is strange too. And you can go get that as a free demo on steam, uh, PlayStation four or Xbox. So, um, yeah, if you like Life is Strange, there's a lot more Life is Strange out there, bud. So go check it out. Um, and yeah, thanks again for writing in. I really appreciate it. That email is exactly why we do this stuff. Uh, you hope that when you're, you know, spewing your shit about a game that you like, or you know, in the case of the Comics Pals, a book that you're reading, that it strikes a chord. And so when it actually does, it's really cool. So thank you, man. Yeah, it's really meaningful. Yeah, dude. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> Bless you. Thanks, Ryan. All right. So if you guys want to write in uh, with your own thoughts, remember you can hit us up like Ryan did at thevideogamepals at gmail.com, and we will read your thoughts on the air as well. Uh, so with that, I guess that means it's time for... The news! The news! We're talking about the news! The news! The news! We're talking about the news! <laughs> yeah, uh, so we've got another jam-packed week of... Stuff, I guess there there was certainly news, I suppose. <laughs> um, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna get through it, and I think we've got a uh, we've got a, a fairly fun main topic lined up. So hopefully that'll be enough for you. Um, but despite its massive success for Capcom, concerns around Monster Hunter World caused the company to see a massive thirteen percent decline for their shares in the lead up to the game's PC Ooh. launch. Right? Really surprising. That's a big um, it's a huge dip. Yeah. Uh, and especially considering how much money that game has made for them, you know, like in the interim, uh, it, it, it's it's really surprising to see that this happened this way. So uh, I'm going to let James Bachelor from gamesindustry.biz catch us up with exactly what's going on, though. And uh, and then, you know, we'll be able to uh, to weigh in here. So James writes... Uh, Capcom's stock price took a hit yesterday, dropping by almost 13% after a report warned of diminishing sales for Monster Hunter World. The Bank of America Merrill Lynch downgraded Capcom's overall rating to underperform, having previously been set at neutral, according to the Financial Times. It also predicted significant risk of sales decline over the next few months. Although cumulative sales volume is growing steadily, we get the impression the popularity of Monster Hunter is dying down six months after its release, the report read. The bank's concerns stem from the fact that while Monster Hunter World enjoyed a strong debut when it launched on Xbox One and PlayStation 4 back in January, it has since lost momentum, particularly over the last few weeks. Drop-off in sales is to be expected months after a game's launch, but it appears the bank's analysts were hoping for a slower decline partially due to the fact that Monster Hunter world is designed to be a longer tail title capcom has announced a pc version will be a uh, release on august 9th but it seems this isn't enough to reassure investors the ft reports that the publisher's share price dropped from uh approximately 25 uh 25 19 to 20 in one day um so that's that's rough 
Uh, and he goes on to say, it's disappointing outlook given how well the title has performed for Capcom. Monster Hunter World shipped 5 million units in its launch weekend and was the fastest selling entry in the series history. By March, it had reached 7.5 million units, making it Capcom's best selling game ever. Uh, and then in May, they reported that it had hit uh, 7.9 million units and had driven Capcom's most profitable financial year to date. So that's like, that's got to suck, so, you know, for them. Like, they have this amazing hit on their hands. It's making them all this money. It's like, they seem like they're at an all-time success, and then their stock takes this huge plunge. Do you think the stock went up those five points because of Monster Hunter World? Was it was it 20 before they sold the game out? And then, then it, Well, I mean, definitely not, right? Like, I, I know that their stock went up because of how successful this quarter right, has but been. Right, but, like, do you know how but, much it went up because of Monster Hunter World and stuff? You know what I mean? Like... Not that would, that would be interesting for me. Um, you know, the five points is huge. Obviously, it's a big jump. Well, they dropped thirteen points. Oh, they said percent. Thirteen percent. It was it was five dollars less. Thirteen percent. It was five bucks less. Uh, was the stock worth? Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah, I'm saying that. Just to clarify for the listener. Yeah. So that's obviously a big jump. Uh, I just want to know, like, you know, beforehand, like, if they were at twenty one and they went to twenty five and they're down to twenty, okay, you know. So whatever, like you had a nice gain and then you kind of settled back. Um, but if they were right. like 15, 25, 20, even better. So like uh, the beforehand price would be interesting for me. But like, dude, like I don't know how it dropped that quick in one day still. That doesn't seem right, you know? I mean, I, to me, it, it, it's uh, this. It reminds me of when we talked a couple weeks ago about how Nintendo stock dropped after the E3. Yeah. Uh, presentation but then people bought like two million switches in a week uh it speaks to the fact that i don't really think that investors are very aligned with like gamer culture and purchasing yeah i mean if they they report the best year they've had and then it drops stock it's like i mean they definitely had the best year right that's what they just said (laughs) right so it's like you know i mean like I can understand like having apprehension or whatever, but like to think that the game isn't going to be at least somewhat successful on PC seems a little bit silly. And like, you know, I think like this is, it it should be looked at as like, in my opinion anyway, right? Who the fuck am I though? Um, A sign of like good things to come that Capcom has been on like a, 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 an uptick over the last like, two quarters you know like they had a really rough couple years like they really bumbled you know with like their you know their two major fighting franchises which is you know um like obviously a huge misstep but like you know i don't know it 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 has seemed like they've been on an upward trajectory as of late so i am surprised to see them get dinged so harshly when they did just release what is by all accounts their most successful piece of software to date it's because that's the only thing they have and yeah, it could be that too. Yeah, I mean, it's it obviously performed really well, but in the interim, they haven't put out anything that's gonna keep momentum going. Uh, yeah, and you know that's a problem. Yeah, and it's not like the game has hit the level of success that you'd like to see for like a games as service title. Like you know, like it was a huge success, but it's it the conversation around it has definitely died off. You know, and like it's not a destiny or a Fortnite or or something else, you know, like it's uh it seems like it's kind of more in line with like where the division was when it came out, where it's like it was real hot for a minute and it was a success, but it didn't quite find the legs that you'd want it to. Yeah, it seems like that game really kind of uh it hit it hit the zeitgeist at the right time. But Often with 
not just games, but a lot of other things like that may not sort of have the sticky the stickiness needed to hang around long term. Uh, yeah, six months is is you know that's good. Um, that's really good. You know, like yeah. how many games stay in the conversation for six months? Right. Um, but First I definitely think that. Ones. Sorry. First party Nintendo ones are the games that stay in the conversation for six months. Sorry, I um, I jumped in to make a joke and it was not great. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but I think uh, ultimately, at you know whatever stocks. But as a gamer, you know who cares? Great. Yeah, it's awesome that they did well, and I look forward to whatever they put out next. And it seems like with uh, the Resident Evil Two remake on the way. Um, Mega Man 11. Mega Man 11. They've Mega got, Man X Legacy Collection. Yeah, they've got some cool stuff on the horizon. It's just not out right now. Yeah, yeah, very true. Uh, yeah, so it, it, it's it's just funny. I guess, like, the reason I was interested in bringing this up uh, was A, because it was a slow news week, and B, because uh, it, it just, I thought it was interesting because of that conversation we've kind of been having recently about the dissonance between analysts and, and what gamers see. You know, yeah. that we see Monster Hunter World and it's like, well, that was obviously a success, you mm-hmm. know, um, but that there are the the bean counters out there who can look at Capcom shipping, you know, almost 8 million units, having their most successful game to date and still look at that and be like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> and it's, it speaks to how tough it is to really make it at that level as a publisher, you know, yeah. what the margin Sh- for sh- success is. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Shipping AAA games is not cheap. Um. So yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, but moving right along, I don't I don't know how much we're gonna have to say about this one, but I thought it was we'd be remiss not to discuss it. Uh, the Overwatch League made waves this week when the organization signed a multi-year deal deal with Disney to make ESPN, ABC, and AB, and sorry, ESPN, ABC, and Disney. Uh, channels the streaming services are i'm sorry wow i'm gonna take that one more time everybody (laughs) they signed a multi-year deal with disney to make espn abc and disney channels and streaming services the exclusive television partner of the owl starting with season one's quarterfinals this wednesday uh, so I have a quote here from uh, ESPN's VP of Digital Media Programming, John Lasker, who said, we've, a- we've had an interest and have been watching pretty closely how the first year of the Overwatch League has been progressing, and we're really excited to be a part of this. Uh, so in the article from Twinfinite that I read pointed out that the agreement will not impact OWL's current uh, broadcasting deal with Twitch. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're watching OWL on Twitch, you know, they, they signed like an $80 million streaming thing like last year or whatever. That's totally unrelated um so this is obviously a big deal you know like i think we've talked a lot about esports on the show obviously when peggy was uh was our fifth chair but um you know i think like just from a broader kind of like you know uh societal perspective obviously this is a big deal um you know espn has dabbled with esports in the past but it's been kind of like uh it's been uneven on whether it's been a return for them or not you know, like, um, so the, uh, the Twinfinite article that I, I have referenced here by Brian Bell, uh, he points out, I think it was, yeah, he said for like, they did Dota 2, Street Fighter 5, Heroes of the Storm, and League of Legends, and, um, you know, like, it's, it's always kind of been, it, it, it's, it's, uh, he says, widely varying returns for the networks, 
you know, but like OWL has like proven to be different because it's like it was an overnight success. It's been a top draw on Twitch all year. Uh, the audience retainment figures and younger demographic esports draws make the addition of Overwatch League a no-brainer as a television viewership continues to dip across the board. Uh, so yeah, I, I think this is just super interesting. You know, like it, it, it's interesting to see esports hit like this kind of level, I guess. Where, like, you know, there's obviously real money in it to the point where, like, fucking Disney cares about it. You know? Disney, who, like, killed Disney uh, Infinity and got out of video games because they're like, well, we're not making enough money. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, I, I, don't, I wipe my ass with $2 million a year. I want $2 billion a year. Yeah. So the fact that they see this growth potential there, um, and honestly, probably a chance to breathe some life into ESPN, which has been struggling, um, as, you know, like they said, like... Uh, younger viewers don't really watch TV, you know, and like they get their sports coverage, uh, you know, other places. So having stuff that does appeal to, you know, uh, a new demographic that might like make it more accessible for like younger kids or something who, you know, have like access to Disney Channel at home or whatever, you know, seems like a good, a good move. What do you guys think about this? Um, so... I'm a little just concerned about the, oh, this will breathe some life into ESPN if it's not impacting the Twitch deal. Like, if you care about Overwatch League, you're already watching Overwatch League, and you're already watching Overwatch League on Twitch. Yeah, that's fair. And especially because, like, it's going to be on ESPN 3 most of the games, right? I'm not sure. Let me see. I don't remember if it said that. In is 3 a specific channel where no one watches or something? ESPN 3 is like the ESPN. When you have 500 channels, ESPN 3 is one yeah. of them. The regular cable usually has ESPN. Um, maybe ESPN 2. Maybe. I have ESPN 3. And, and I, I'll tell you, I know exactly what channel ESPN 1 and 2 are on. Gun to my head, I have no idea what channel ESPN 3 is. Hey, maybe ESPN's struggling to make money because they have a third channel no one knows exists. And they should just get rid of it. <laughs> I don't... Casual observation. You know, I- it doesn't It doesn't appear to say in the article I had. So if you guys know, you can let us know in the comments uh, and, you know, uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. But uh, I'm, I'm not sure about that one. Hmm. <sighs> Damn. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I think I think that's a valid point. I guess like the way I'm thinking of it is like there are probably some kids that are like not necessarily watching ESPN, but like if it's going to be like on Disney platforms as well. Like I know like they did an Overwatch champion on like championship on like Disney XD like last year, I think. And like um, they had the IGN show there for a little bit. So it's like they definitely have experimented with like gamer centric content on Disney XD. And I wonder, you know, if like maybe there are kids who are aware of Overwatch as a thing but don't watch OWL and then catch it on a channel that they're already watching something else on. But yeah, I think I think that's like a valid that's a valid point. Because, like, I think it's smart for these companies to want to get in on digital media, like, juggernauts like this. But, like, to your point, like, Twitch got there first. So, does it matter? Well, I, I, I think Andy definitely brings up a good point. But I also think with anything, there are people who are engaged with the product itself, but not all the way. So, like, 
for example, with HOTS, right? Heroes of the Storm. There are plenty of people who play Heroes of the Storm that do not watch competitive heroes. But if, right. if you tune into ESPN and you're a Heroes player and you happen to see that there's a game going on or you hear that ESPN is going to be broadcasting Heroes of the Storm, you're like, oh, well, I'll tune in. Uh, same thing with Street Fighter. There are plenty of people who watch the uh, ESPN2 Street Fighter games uh, last year, I think it was, Street Fighter Five, who don't watch on Twitch, that aren't regular viewers. Uh, so I, I, don't, I think that there's definitely people who would be impacted, but I don't think that it's one-to-one. I don't think that every single person who's interested in Overwatch watches OWL. And I don't think that every single person who watches Overwatch uh, likes Twitch. There are a, a lots of problems with Twitch. I hate Twitch. Yeah, I don't like Twitch as a, as a viewing platform. Yeah, but I'll, I'll definitely watch on ESPN for sure. I think that's sure. cool. So, yeah, I, I, I think ultimately you bring up a good point, but I think there's another side to it as well. Be interesting to see how it shakes out. Um, it's definitely something that will, you know, I don't, I don't know how much we'll talk about it again. But like, if they put out some kind of like report on how it ends up impacting their numbers, I'd be very interested in talking about that more. Overall, though, I just wanted to say, great for gaming. Uh, yeah, more exposure is better. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I, you know, I think like. Like we talked about on the last one, right? Like the realities of making big AAA games are tough. So the more people you can get in the door of like having any kind of interest in video games is is positive for growth of the industry. Yeah. Um, more more uh, people interested in games means more ability to make games. So that's uh, that's always a positive thing. So uh, moving over to the world of Nintendo, uh, we got some new trailers for Pokemon Let's Go this week that have revealed a ton of info about both games. Uh, we got a English trailer and a Japanese and two Japanese trailers in the last week, um, both of which showed like slightly different details about the upcoming Pokemon spinoffs. But uh, it, it confirmed some stuff that was definitely um, stuff I had seen a lot of people asking in the last couple weeks. So, uh, internet battles and trades have been confirmed, but it is going to require that you have a Nintendo Switch Online subscription. Um, exclusives for uh, Let's Go Pikachu are Oddish, Sandshrew, and Growlithe, while Let's Go Eevee is going to have Bellsprout, Meowth, and Vulpix. So, this means that Eevee is officially blue version, so y'all know which one your boy is going to pick up. Uh, <laughs> and uh, trainer customization, uh, which you know we first saw in Sun and Moon, is confirmed to return, but it seems like there's a lot more options. You know, from what from what they uh, what they kind of showed us, it looked like, you know, there definitely seemed to be a pretty big variance about like what kind of stuff you had. There was like sailor outfit. There was like a safari outfit. There was like some definitely just general kind of like street clothes. Those were you know? way cute. What's that? Those were way cute. The outfits yeah, for your Pokemon. Yeah, yeah right. Um, yeah, that was the other thing was that like Pikachu and Eevee both have haircuts and outfits and hats that you can like customize, which is like adorable. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm always in for cutesy stuff like that. The haircuts look uh, bad. Some of them are really, really bad. Specifically it, like, the purpose. bangs are, like, the worst things the I've re- ever seen. It's like the most, it's like a Three Stooges, like, mo haircut. That's a real picture? Like, it's so yeah. fucking fun. Yeah, I, dude, go watch the trailer right now, you fucking, be, be prepared for your show. Well, I don't look at <laughs> Let's Go stuff because I don't care about it. But at the same time, I saw that picture and I thought that was a fake. My God. No, it's real. Oh, my God. It's real, baby. 
so you can also choose your Pokemon's gender. Um, not all of them, but your your starter Pokemon, apparently. Uh, because, you know, they showed the screenshot of, like, Pikachus, like, female Pikachus have the heart-shaped tail. Uh, female Eevees have, like, a heart-shaped, like, um, like, what what's the word for it? Like, pattern on their tail, I guess. Uh, and then, like, you're gonna be able to ride a pretty big selection of Pokemon, it looks like. They said select bigger Pokemon, but they specifically showed, uh, like, a Charizard, a Lapras, an Arcanine, an Onix. So, like, that was really cool, because, like, as cool as, like, Pokemon Ride was in Sun and Moon, like, the idea of just having Pokemon in your party of, like, why can't I ride this? It's huge. You know, like, I shouldn't need some special thing for that is, uh, something that, like, you know, I think people have kind of always wanted. So that's neat. Um, then they introduced, like, a new friendly rival, which I was just like, who is this fucking lame-ass sexless motherfucker? Look at him. Just look at that fucking blank expression on his stupid face. Sexless? Why isn't it... Yeah, look at that guy, dude. He's got no mojo. I mean, he's no probably, mojo. like, 14 years old, you know? Dude, I don't even care, all right? In the Pokemon anime, Gary Oak was, like, 10, and he definitely fucked. Gary Oak Look fucks. at him. This guy does not. All right. You guys <laughs> yeah, going dude. into a territory that I can't follow unless we get slapped with some kind of... Dude, you're making it weird. All I'm saying is that this anime is 10. You just said that Gary was 10, and he fucked. I'm the one making it weird. I'll bring the torch to light us further. Gary Oak definitely <laughs> fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, Andy got it. Like he's like you guys get it. All right. And all I'm saying is, it should be blue. It should be blue, guys. Blue's a better rival. That's all I'm saying. Okay. My my criticisms for Let's Go are just they're just it's another one to throw in the cons pile. But all right. You're also gonna have uh, the ability to have your Pokemon follow you. You know, at any given time. I I don't know about you guys. It made me it made me question like how many Pokemon you have in a party at any given time. Like, are they going to have six and whoever's at the top of your party is always following you yeah. and Pikachu and Eevee are just always on your... I don't know. So, it's interesting. But um, Pokemon follow you and they'll be able to, like, find items while you're out in the field, which is pretty cool. Um, so, a couple of these mechanics I actually really do hope, like, come to the main games. Um, then they showed off uh, some of the gyms. Uh, the, the English trailer showed a little bit more of Brock's. The Japanese one showed a bit more of Misty's. Total redesigns for all the gyms, but very reminiscent of the original ones. They look great. I think the character models, like, we had already seen them, but they look excellent. I really love uh, how the gym leaders look. And um, they showed off some of the co-op battles. They showed some more of just, like, the general fight screen and what it looks like. And, like, showed some some battle that actually looks a little bit more like traditional Pokemon battling, which made me feel a little bit better. Uh, and then, just for, like, a random cut in the, the second Japanese trailer, they showed Jesse and James, uh, from Team Rocket are gonna be, uh, returning as well. Um, which makes sense, because they did in yellow, but just happy to see Meowth. That. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, we've talked a lot about these games on this show, um, so we don't need to, like, belabor the things that, you know... I, me and Thompson have already torn it down for. But what did you guys think of these trailers? I haven't talked about this game on this show because every you've missed time every it one, comes right? Out, I'm not here. This game looks phenomenal. This looks like the greatest Pokemon game of all time. You can ride an Arcanine. Do you I'm understand sure. what that means to me? Arcanine is my favorite Pokemon. I have always said that if I could ride or own any kind of Pokemon, it'd be that. It'd be Arcanine. They showed okay. that you ride an Arcanine. I'm buying this game. Ugh. I don't give a shit. 
about anything else. <laughs> That's all I needed to see. Damn. They have swayed me. Wow. So, I, uh... Does it work? I don't know, man. I de- uh? Uh, Oh, it, it just focused and then you moved it. You got means? What do you This is me doing? right now about Pokemon Let's Go. I am sweating internally beyond belief. I'm so scared <laughs> for this fucking game. <laughs> So I gotta say, uh, I've been very harsh on this game. I still think a lot of my, you know, a lot of my problems with it, I, you know, I'm not like, you know, um, pulling back on, but this trailer showed me a lot more reasons to um, be interested in it than anything else has. You know, like, I like that we kind of got away from focusing on the, oh, this is how you catch Pokemon and it's just Pokemon Go, because that's the thing I'm still most turned off by. Um, but in terms of like, just like I got like, they're, they're, they're pulling out my, my nostalgia strings, man. Like Thompson, did you see, like, you gotta look at this trailer, no, I definitely man. saw it. You I just it. didn't think that the EV thing was real or maybe mentally blocked it out. I don't know. It's just like, <laughs> just seeing, seeing Kanto reimagined like this is just so cool. And I, I hate how fucking like. I hate how much I was rallied against it, like, a few weeks ago. And then I see this and I'm kind of like, well, maybe it'll be good. And I'm just like, you're a shill. You're a mark. What's wrong with you? But I, it's how I feel, man. And I, don't, I have a lot of conflicted feelings. Yeah. And, and the reality is I have to buy this game. Because if I don't buy it, I can't have a legitimate opinion on it. And that won't fly. So I have to buy it at this point. So even if I don't want to get it, I'm getting it at this point. So I might as well look for reasons to be excited. I don't know. Look, you don't have to look far. This trailer is sick. You don't have to... It's not a stretch is good. To, 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 to be into this. And also, dude, we've had how many years of the same Pokemon game? Like, it's okay for this game to be different. Because eventually, we're going to get the regular old Pokemon game on Switch. It's going to happen. Let's let this yeah. be what it is and let it be cool. Because it is cool. You can ride Arcanine. Dude, I think it's really cool that you could, like, ride, like, Onyx. Like, that was tight. Because it's, like, Arcanine's one of those Pokemon of, like, he's a no-brainer, right? Like, if you're, like, Pokemon that you could ride. Arcanine, Tauros, Rapidash. I have to interrupt you. Don't undersell the fact. No! I'm I'm not. Don't undersell it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying, the, the three that they chose to show us are three that if I was, like, what are Pokemon you could you could conceivably ride? That would be my top three. Charizard, Lapras, Arcanine. Definitely. Right? Like, it, it just makes sense. Whereas, like, Onyx, we'd seen Brock ride him a lot. It's like a thing where I'm like, yeah, that would totally fly. But it's cool that they're showing me, like, there's going to be some different ones. There's going to be some more outside the ball or outside the, you know, like, um, yeah, outside the box Pokemon that you could, could I do. I want to ride me too. <laughs> I want to ride Starmie. Hey, yeah, that would be cool. And surf on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna run around on our Raichu's back. One Raichu <laughs> strapped to each foot. <laughs> Dude, you have to do that for like ten Pikachu's to make that work. <laughs> so yeah, you know, like I, I don't know, man. Uh, jury's still out on this game, but this is the warmest I felt about it since it was announced. Uh, yeah, I'm on um, that with you, man. Because I, I got doom and fucking gloom when I saw that first trailer, and this definitely makes me feel. 
Yeah, dude, the first the first trailer know. for me was the equivalent of, of being uh, watching the atomic blast go off, and you're like, what's the damage? I don't know. Let's go search. Second trailer was someone saying, oh, okay, cool, there's no radioactive fallout. Uh, like, we actually did good, you know? And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool on it. It's cool. <laughs> we only lost Detroit. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, well, uh, I'm just kidding. Just, just kidding. No hate for Detroit, there, guys. But, uh, it's just, <laughs> a, just the first city that came to mind. Shout out to Motor City Gaming. They're our friends. Um, so... <laughs> You uh, real yes, fast on that one. Because, <laughs> like, I I would pick the one city where I actually know internet mm-hmm. people. Like, you know, so it's not my point. You gotta pick a city that no one ever heard of, like Timbuktu. I should have just said, like, New York or Philadelphia, because yeah. then it's place just, nobody like, ever know, heard of. Our, our own people blowing up. You know, like, I, it's fine. <laughs> I don't think we should talk about people blowing up anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this I said it was a nuclear test, not we're blowing up a city. <laughs> this this segment is the least monetizable video we've ever put out. No, this is the least no, advert. No. We talked about a ten year old boy who definitely fucks. Right, and so blowing up. There you go. Right. <laughs> yeah, I actually yeah. forgot about that. I wanted, I just, I wanted to end this segment on a high note. You know, yeah. Gary uh, gets it on. So, there we go. Any any other thoughts on this before we move on? Yeah, uh, you can ride Arcanine. That's amazing. What Sean said. Talk to me when I can ride a Blastoise. You'll never be able to you ride Blastoise. Can. I, I, I probably can. I hope that you can ride everything but Blastoise, Pete. How about that? I thought we were friends, <laughs> no, Thompson. No, we are. I just think it would be funny that you're like, I just like, I, I really wanted to like get this game, where, you know, I want to be into it, and then it's like, it turns out you can ride like just about everything, and you're like, but no, Blastoise! <laughs> I don't know why, but that one would get me. You brought me down. You brought me back down, man. Okay, let's move on. So our last item on the news list this week is going to take us into our meat and potatoes all about Nintendo and indie games because apparently no one else besides Nintendo cares that I have a show to put together. That's fair. So on last week's show, we poured over some of the news that came out of Nintendo's 78th annual uh, shareholders meeting, but apparently that wasn't the only uh, story to pour through. Um, this last week, another story took headlines when, uh, during the meeting, one shareholder asked about Nintendo's plans to integrate indie titles into their future business strategy. And the answer that Nintendo senior executive officer Susuma Tanaka gave, uh, is pretty interesting. So he says, we are actively engaging with indie developers at, at video game focused shows and other events in different regions. Some of the indie games already released have gone on to become million sellers worldwide. In the future, we are looking to release around 20 to 30 indie games on Nintendo Switch per week, and we definitely expect to see some great games among them. (laughs) Uh, And then IGN's Peter Clark, who wrote the article that that I pulled this this story from, points out that the eShop has actually already kind of been quietly working toward that number. Uh, During the July 5th uh, release um, window, which is the week uh, prior to the story coming out, uh, 18 titles were added to the store. So not, not far off. From that 20 to 30 number. Um, So for the meat and potatoes this week, I kind of wanted to just talk about this story as an opportunity to kind of broach the broader subject of um, crowded marketplaces and the issue of like visibility in games, you know? So I want to ask, like, do you guys think this is a good thing? Like, do you think having 20 to 30 new indie games on, on the Nintendo Switch every week is positive? You know, um, people often talk about how bloated Steam and PSN and the live marketplace are and, you know, how tough it is to um, find games that are that are new, you know, all the time because there is so much coming out all the time. And a lot of it's crap. Uh, There's there there is no real barrier of entry other than, you know, money 
at this point, you know, um, to get on these platforms, especially for Steam. That's always, you know, always been an issue. Uh, so right now, do you think that like visibility is already an issue and that this is going to contribute to that? Like, should Nintendo be trying to avoid those same pitfalls, like, and give us a more, um, like curated experience? Or do you think that this is just the nature of the marketplace at this point? I think it's, it's a real, it's a, it's a real, like, privileged problem to have. Like, oh, there's too many games. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, get over it. Yeah, they're there. Well, why why should it be curated? It, it It's up to you to decide if a game is bad. Uh, sure, some games are probably, like, objectively awful, right? But do they not deserve their opportunity to make money? Can you not go through the games and decide for yourself what's worth your time? That's like saying that you went to the comic book store and you're mad because there was stuff other than Marvel or DC there. And you couldn't tell just by looking at the cover whether the game was worth your time. That's a stupid comment, you know? Like, if they want to put out 20 games, let them put out 20 games. And if you like one, then you found one great game. But if they weren't doing that, you wouldn't have found that game. And maybe the game that maybe that game that you found isn't a game that they would have put out where they curated. So absolutely let the market be what it is and do your homework. You know, there are plenty of easy ways to find out whether a game is worth your time or not that don't involve buying it, Uh, especially in 2018. You know, we're not in the 90s anymore. Uh, You don't have to go to Blockbuster and rent a game to find out if you like it. Uh, So I, I just think that's much to do about nothing. People complaining for the sake of it, whether it's Steam or the eShop or whatever it is. I don't see a problem here at all. Well, um, I can say a personal experience that with Steam in particular, the issue I have is not that there's too many games, but that like um, it, it can be really annoying. Like I, I don't buy them, obviously, but it can be really annoying seeing reviews for things where people are like, this doesn't even include an EXE to run. Like it's literally on the Steam page and it, it's not even, a, it's like a picture. Like I bought a picture. So like, so Nintendo's not going to do that, you know what I mean? Like, they're not going to put a game on the eShop that doesn't work on the Switch, you know? Or or whatever, you're not going to download it and pay for it, and you're going to be like, oh, it doesn't run. Um, and if it does, that's really rare. I could, you know, pr- not fathom it. But that's, that's the only concern I have with shit like Steam, and, like, PS4 doesn't seem to even do that so much. They might put, like, shit games on there, but, like, they're not, a, like, literally not working or not starting kind of games. So beyond that, like... I'm, I'm pretty much in the same, like, level, man. Like, if you want to put 20 games out, I'm sure that 20 aren't for me, or 19 of them aren't for me, but there might be one out there. And, you know, like, when it comes to indie games, like, the only other way that I can interact with them is through Steam. And I can say that because it's super bloated there, that I don't look for the indie games. I just look for, like, sales and shit, and, you know, I got to sort through a 1,000 anyway. So for me, like, I want to play the indie games on my Switch already. So, like, this is great. Like, if I'm getting 20 a week you know, say I get even like less, say I get like 70 to 75 a month on the switch. I mean, that's, that's huge. Like you're lucky you get 75 games on something else. You know what I mean? Per year, uh, let alone a month. And like any games could be as low as like five bucks or 20 or, you know, like in between. So it's not to say that every one of those games is going to be like, Oh my God, I got to spend like, you know, 300 bucks just to like keep up. Like, no, you could probably spend like 20 bucks, get four games a month, you know? Or even less sometimes. Depends. Sure. And their sales, too. 
or, or, or a week in some of these yeah, scenarios, or, or right? Yeah, or a week, like, and that's that's what I think. Like the beauty of this is, like you know, knowing now, like when you look at the eShop and you go, "Hey, man, like I saw these titles, I saw the last release of them come out. I don't like any of them right now. I'll wait." You're not waiting two months for the next set. You're not waiting three months for them, you know, or even a month. It's you're waiting yeah. a week, and every week there's going to be more to check. And I think that is the smart part of this, like regardless of the number. I, don't, I mean, 20 is great, but I think it would have worked with saying like weekly, we will do this, you know, like that consistency is what I, is what I really like about it, you know, because they don't, I know they're not all going to be good, but like, they don't have to be good as, as like they're one of them will be good eventually. You know what I mean? And the more that we get, the more, I, I don't think Nintendo's pumping 20 games out like from scratch every week. They're, do- they're obviously porting some over, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Like, well, and they said like they're, they, they were actively engaging with indie developers right. at game focus shows yeah. and other events. So, and, you it, know, like, it just, yeah, like to me, they're actively meeting with people who are, you know, already doing stuff and trying to bring their game to the platform. To me, it's just like the natural evolution of stuff like that. Like those indie developers may not have another place, maybe even like PS4 or Steam, they'd get drowned out. Right. And if Nintendo's saying this is our initiative, like you're going to be looking there for that. So, that's the thing is like how long until they get drowned out but i don't think they will on the nintendo switch as well because 20 or 30 games a week equates to you know even you say it's 20 yeah, it's right? like over a thousand like, a year i know it's bad but <laughs> right like and that's that quickly becomes a very very bloated or not necessarily bloated but crowded marketplace yeah and yeah. and discoverability becomes a problem and i think like if you look at how and i want to get andy's thoughts after this, one more thing i want to say about it yet but uh, if you look at like how indie titles have sold on Nintendo Switch, so many developers have come out of even games that people think of as successful and said that their best, um, their their highest sales have been on Switch because right now there's you know not enough software on Switch because it's new and and not I say not enough there's more games on it right now than there have ever been on the Nintendo 3DS and people say Switch has no games. But um, that being said. Because there's a smaller number number of titles, like there, the really good stuff gets a lot of attention, and the stuff that's not so good doesn't. Right, which is what you guys yeah. are talking about—the free and open market, which I, I generally think is a good thing. That's why, like, I'm pro Kickstarter, right? Like, even if ten Kickstarter games are trash, the fact that we got like a shovel knight from it makes it worth it, right? As a, as a system, um, and I think there's something to that here, but that does. I think create some issue of discoverability and visibility, which isn't necessarily like it isn't necessarily a problem, but it does create that that problem where you're overwhelmed by choice, right? Right, where you're like, I've always wanted to play like this one, and I know you said, Sean, right? It's a first world problem, and it is. But uh, but you 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 think about like some of the games that you said you picked up on Switch, or like I've always wanted to try it, and whatever, and it's like you could have got overcooked on your PS4. Mm-hmm. But you were going to get it on Switch because you wanted to get it already, and it was one of the games available on Switch, and you're like, well, great, I'll get it, it's perfect for Switch. And, like, the thought of, like, you know, if there are, the more games are like that for you on the platform, the less likely you are to buy that one or that two, because there's, well, maybe none of these really grab me, I'll see what the next 30 look like. And then you forget about last week's game. And that's totally possible, too. Uh, Sean? Uh... I was just going to say that could happen at GameStop. Like you could go to GameStop and I remember when I was a kid and my parents said, Hey, you know, pick a game and you go to the rack and there's like 50 games that I've been thinking about for X amount of time. And I have to pick one. That's the way life is. And I think to complain about that is silly. Uh, And, and I think um, 
there are ways to for yourself curate if you're looking for a action adventure game you can i'm sure that there's a, the ability to only see those kinds of games then you look at the rating there's so many ways to find the good cream rises to the top sure. i think too pete the one thing about the the having you know a thousand a year almost uh I don't know for sure, but I, I would assume if a game just doesn't sell that they're going to like not leave it there because it's going to take up space, you know, like if it sells, you know, like nothing, they're going to be like a year later. Well, I mean, nobody bought this. Right. So like doesn't happen on Steam, or but that's, PS, or that's the difference. Or that's the, the, the hope that I have because it's Nintendo and like that's the level of like they don't really fuck around too much if they're putting a thousand games in. But I, I don't know. There's nothing to say that they will just leave everything forever if they do. Sure. It might get a little crowded, you know, like so. For what it's worth, um, the Wii was kind of regarded as a garbage system full of shovelware. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that had 1,500 titles total. Yeah, so this is going like, to do, you know, two-thirds of that on indies alone in one year. Putting out, it's a, the Switch is already at 1,000. Oh, it's shit, like I didn't know it was that much. Yeah, 928. Uh, by the end of the year, it'll be a thousand. Oh, it's only at nine hundred and twenty-eight. Okay, yeah. so it's on track to outpace the three DS very quickly. Yeah, like very quickly. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I also don't think it's necessarily a good thing. Um, like, I I don't think that number of games is a thing that Nintendo should necessarily be striving for. Like as uh, as long as they're making sure that the games are functional, it's fine, I guess. But I don't know. I would prefer less games come out and more of those games be good than just Nintendo being like, "Yeah, we put out 20 games a week for the Switch." Sure. Like the the whole like Nindies thing yeah. like when they did like the summer of Nindies and it was like these are all these independent games that we've partnered with to bring to you yeah know, like something that's that is more curated yeah not just like we're letting 20 people a week put their you know shovelware game on the switch but I also don't think that they need to, to like full-on be more curated again outside of making sure that the software functions yeah because that's the thing, right, is I think something that's actually really worth thinking about, though, right, is, like, 20 to 30 indie games doesn't mean 20 to 30 new indie games. Like, think about how many really great indie titles there are that have already been brought to PS4 and Xbox that could probably very easily be ported to Switch. I'm sure that's part of what they're talking about. You know, like, getting, you know, like, like something like Party Hard, right, which is a game I really loved when I played it, like, two years ago. It's a ton of fun, and it... It, it got, later got ported to other platforms. I'm sure it did fine there. And, you know, like maybe it would do a lot better on Switch because Switch is uh, – people like to play indie games on Switch. Um, I and, do. <laughs> uh, and I, I think the idea of 20 to 30 – like if they're 20 to 30 good indie games a week, great. You know, like that's, that's definitely good. Um, which I don't know, right? It's interesting because in his response, he says we're actively engaging people at shows and like looking for games, and that leads me to think that they're going to only be looking for like good games, you know, or good enough, but yeah. like good is subjective. To, sure, yeah, I think I think that Nintendo is not going to put like you know a fucking like piece of shit on the market, but it may not be for me. That's, you know? 
that's what I'm talking about, right? Because like, there's the thing of like, there are plenty of games that are not for you, but you can acknowledge are are not a bad piece of software. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, you could not like a mechanic in a game, but like, it works and people enjoy it. You know, like I'm I'm I don't want to see like Life of Black Tiger mm-hmm. on Nintendo Switch. I, see, I don't think you we know? will though, and that like, like is a huge concern. But, like, I really don't think we're going to see that from Nintendo. Because if we do see that shit from Nintendo, then, like, that's the last bastion of, like, shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, it is what it is, right? Because, like, obviously the PlayStation, Steam, and Xbox marketplaces all work fine. And they're indie successory still. And, like, it's it's just a tougher market. And Nintendo Switch has proved uh, a place that's super, super friendly to that software. And, like... That was always going to eventually hit a breaking point where there's no longer a dearth of games and maybe the sales start stop, start looking different or whatever. But I don't know. I, I think if they really do make this like the destination place where if you have a Switch, why wouldn't you play your indie games there? Um, I think that's possible. And I hope that it stays that way because, you know, indie indie uh we talked about how hard it is to make triple a games it's just as hard if not harder to make indie games sometimes you know um and a lot of people put their whole life on the line you know to like make that one game and hope that it takes off and uh you know as much as the cream does rise to the top i would love for there to be a better margin of error for the cream you know what i'm saying because there are plenty of really 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 good indie games that don't get that attention that they deserve you know that don't get that that are the overlooked gems and uh you know i i don't want those to be harder to find because we have shovelware you know um and that that is a problem on the steam marketplace for sure but like you know, it, it, I think it's also just the reality of having, like, an open market. And to your point, Sean, um, I'd rather have 29 pieces of shovelware and get that one really, really great game that wouldn't have made it otherwise than to have never gotten that really great game at all. Yeah, and that and that's, that's going to happen. And as far as, you know, hidden gems, that happens too. And it happens in every single industry, you know stuff gets drowned out and when infinity war comes out there there may be a really great movie that releases that same week that no one sees because everybody wants to see infinity war that's just the way it goes but if you care and you do your due diligence because you really want to find great games you're gonna find that you're gonna find that really good game or that good movie or whatever it is that's that's just the reality of it and to your point in 2018, it's easier than ever to do that because there's no shortage of shows like ours or your IGNs or, you know, whoever. Great example. Street the Calling that. 2 came out. Within one day of it coming out, its Steam reviews hit 14% and one player was seen on the active base. So, like, that's a game that people saw come out, looked at it, followed it, and was just like, okay, we've all made our decision. We see what's going on. And, like, it, tw- it took 24 hours. It might have been the fastest game I've ever seen get, like, tanked out of existence. The zeitgeist decided That's it was That's a real trash. lawbreakers of a day. And the funny thing is, is people are saying that it did worse than lawbreakers. Like, you know, like, this, they're, like, literally saying, like, I thought lawbreakers couldn't have, like, launched worse, but, like, oh, my God, like, this, you know? And it's, like... That just speaks to the 2018 market, like you're talking about, the interconnectivity of everything and the fact that people can get their word out faster and shit before you even look at it. You know, there's already this many reviews and things. And like, I heard about the game a mere day after it was out and I already was caught up and I'm like, well, I guess that's out, you know? And that was not possible 10 years ago even. So, 
know. Yeah. So I think I think no. Go ahead, Andy. Go I ahead. I do want to say that I agree with all these points, but um, if Nintendo wants to keep putting so many titles and like at such volume onto the Switch eShop, they also need to take steps to make the eShop not trash. <laughs> because Nintendo's yeah. eShop on the Switch right now is really just poorly set up. Hmm. I think I think there's some things about it I really like, but overall I agree with you. It's it's not super easy to uh, navigate. Um, but I think the one thing I do really like about it is I do think they do a pretty good job of like when a game is brand new, you know, or like when they are when there is that really cool new game coming to Switch, they do a good job of pushing it. You know, like of of like giving you that in when you open your Switch and it's just like, oh hey, this new game came out on eShop this week. You click, you see all the other new games, and you're like, oh wow, look at all this new stuff. Maybe I'll get this. Maybe I'll get that. Maybe I'll get this. That is the one thing about it I really like. I think otherwise, it's there's a lot of improvement to be made in terms of just making it easier to navigate, giving you an ability to like, you know, there's no favorite system, right? Like you can't like tag something. Like, I'm interested in. Uh, like no wish list, right? Nope. I don't think so. I don't so. think so. Um, like having having a wish list, right? Exactly. Um, having a wish list, like the ability said, to browse by genre. Yeah, you can't do that. Nope. I don't think you can. <sighs> That's bad. Yeah, That's bad. I mean, yeah. I remember browsing by category, but I think it's by money. You know, like lowest highest or something. Yeah. And I think Stuff that like that's that. Yeah. the best you're gonna get, really. I don't think you can put like action, you know, whatever. It's like yeah. that sucks, especially when you're gonna get, a, you know, like a lot more in there. Um, you know, I, I haven't checked the eShop in like a month, but uh, theoretically, like eighty or so games have already come out since I checked. You know what I mean? And I have no idea. And it would take me a smidge to go through it. So like having one option to search I, is is just makes the difference for shit like that. You know? Yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, shit. Something I would love. I mean, that would be totally unfeasible. I think with the way that this is going too. But how great would it be if there was like a thing that was like, hey, since the last time you logged in on eShop, <laughs> here's all the games that have Please. been released, oh, and you could just be like. Oh, cool. Let me just, like, thumb no. through them. No, you know, no, 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 like, no. And see if there's anything that catches you my eye. Don't turn that thing on for six months. It's going to say, like, here's the 500 games you missed. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that 500. would be crazy. With this, it would be, like, 5,000. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's, uh, like, that's a great idea, yeah. but, like, I don't know how far back that would work. <laughs> we'll yeah. see. Um, but, yeah, so I, I definitely think... I think it's it's great that Nintendo is is like you know actively engaging with indies. I think that's been a great strategy for them in the past, and I think the Nintendo Switch is a great home for indie games. Um, I just hope that it remains the really really healthy marketplace for indie games that it is right now. You know that right now, uh, if you're if you're a good indie game on Nintendo Switch, you're probably going to sell the most copies you have on any other platform. You know, like, I can't tell you how many developers have come out and said, we've sold more copies on Switch than every other platform combined. And it's like, that's insane. And I want that to be the case. I want Nintendo Switch to be able to still be that because it's good for Switch. Uh, because that platform is built for indie games. It's per it's perfect for them. And it's great for indies because, you know, like, so many great indie games come out and find success but don't, just don't make enough money. You know? And, uh... You know, I definitely want to see them have a bastion in the way that they do because I think that's mutually beneficial for the indie developers and for Nintendo because it's something that sets the Switch apart from other marketplaces in terms of – or not marketplaces, but other platforms, you know? Um, and if it's healthy for those devs, they're going to flock to it. You know, we're going to get more good games on Switch. So uh, I hope that 
I hope that this is uh, uh, I hope this doesn't disturb that too much. You know, I trust um, the Nintendo. I hope it just. I, I have I have a lot of goodwill lately for them. You know, in the last two years, really, I think like they've really yeah. like swayed me. So like, I do have concerns and criticisms for this little thing, but like at the same time, I'm at like the point where just let them do their thing, and like I'm really not gonna like get all in a kerfuffle about it. I have a feeling they're going to work it out. They're doing great. So my faith has been set. We're, we're, yeah, I, I, if, I hope if, you're right. If, like, the PlayStation Marketplace are like, dude, we're going to make this indie thing where I'd feel like, eh. You know what I mean? If Steam said it, eh. But if Nintendo says it, all right, you got me. I'll try it at least to, you know, give you the pass for a little bit so you can hang yourself. I'll give you a chance. If you're going to fuck up, you can hang yourself for that one, you know? <laughs> yeah. So any closing thoughts on this one before we wrap it up? Cool. All right, guys. So if you want to let us know what you think about Nintendo's new indie initiative, uh, let us know in the comments down below. Hit us up at the video game pals at gmail.com or get us at the comics pals wherever your social media is sold. And uh, let us know what you thought about this episode. Write in. Tell us about uh, what games you've been playing this summer or any of that stuff. Uh, send us a random question of the week and uh, save me a couple minutes when I put the show together. <laughs> so uh, before we bounce out of here, uh, I'm going to let the guys do some plugs so you can know where you can find each of us on social media and uh, any other stuff we've got going on on the web. Uh, Sean, why don't you start us off? Awesome. So uh, check out the Comic Spouse. Be sure to do that. Uh, we just put out episode 90. It would have dropped uh, yesterday for you if you're listening uh, when this drops, uh, so bow, 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 bow. <laughs> on that episode, we reviewed some comics. Uh, we reviewed Amazing Spider-Man number one and Superman number one. Spoiler alert, Superman number one is not bad. Really? Uh, yeah, it's actually, I enjoyed it. It's And wow. so did Phil. So. I missed that episode. I was, I was uh, unavailable, so I'm really surprised to hear that. Let's talk more about that off mic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we also talked about whether or not diehard comic book fans are the redheaded stepchildren of the medium, uh, with uh, the New York Times teaming up with DC to spoil the outcome of Batman number 50 and the wedding. Uh, we talk about whether or not they even care about us anymore. Uh, and as for me, you can find me on the web, Twitter, Instagram, at Sean Soapbox. Cool. Andy? Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at Tiger underscore Millions. I don't have nearly as much interesting stuff to say about anything as Sean does. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Okay. Not in my You're plugs. At least, at least as interesting as me. Oh, thanks, bud. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Thompson? Well, if you have a problem and uh, no one else can help, and if you can find me on Twitter at Relic Vampire, I might be your A-team. So basically... <laughs> All I do is post memes and watch anime, and there you go. That's life. <laughs> Why don't you plug our show, Thompson? Because you're going to finish it off, and I want it to be the last thing in people's minds. So, like, I could. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> All right. So, if you want to catch me and Thompson, you can find us on our Let's Play show, Pals Play, Monday through Thursday, over on YouTube.com slash Pals. This week, we are playing Detroit Become Human, because nothing else new came out. Um... And uh, I wanted to see Thompson be an inhuman monster. Android. He did not disappoint. I'm an Android, so Thompson, I'm become nine. human. No, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you can catch me and Sean on the Comics Pals. Obviously not this week, uh, but we did, uh, or we will, I guess, what, in two weeks have our next book club? Yeah, Batman Gothic. 
Yeah, we just recorded that la- uh, last night. So uh, Batman Gothic's coming up. If you guys are a fan of uh, Batman, you can read along with us and then tune in for the book club at the end of the month and uh, have a discussion with us about the book. So Batman Gothic by Grant Morrison. Go check that out if you want to. Um, and then you can find me on social media at loud underscore Pete on both Twitter and Instagram. Come talk to me about whatever, man. <laughs> Come talk to me about Life is Strange like Ryan did. <laughs> Ryan's my new favorite. Well, that's a mean thing to say, actually. Jimmy's been a very loyal. I love you, Ryan. I'm not going to start playing favorites, okay? You already I love, did. I love all the pals. <laughs> it's too late. You already buried yourself. I love you both equally! <laughs> did you even say his name? Ryan and Jimmy? Jimmy. There you go. Yeah, oh, I said it. I, mean, I, I said Jim. It. I said Jimmy's been a loyal fan. <laughs> your, your adoration for Ryan was overflowing so much that... Uh, <laughs> Jimmy was lost Your cup overfloweth. <laughs> With Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Alright, Okay, so that's gonna wrap it up here uh, for the video game house number 63. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see y'all next week. Gary Oakbooks. Oh. <laughs>